Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Amen. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy today. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the season of the Spirit. I want to talk to you today about the season of the Spirit. This is the Sunday after Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, uh, which was uh, you know, 50 days after Easter. And um, uh, what, what we do in Trinity Sunday is, um, is we celebrate the Trinity. Now, I don't have a message on the Trinity per se today, but uh, we as Christians, um, we get these complicated ideas, uh, these theological terms, and we allow them to distract us from the main point of our faith. It's super important that we study to show ourselves approved. It's super important that we understand right doctrine and that we understand the Godhead properly. Because if we do not understand Jesus, if we don't have good doctrine, then we start expecting God to do things He never did. And we get disappointed in God because He didn't do what someone else said that He would do. Don't you hate it when someone volunteers you for something? Don't you hate it when someone said they're going to do something and then they start pushing it off onto you? I recently had a little social gathering I was going to go to and uh, someone had invited me to. And then lo and behold, they told me they weren't able to go, but I could go ahead and lead it. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I never, <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I, I actually said I would stop by because I had other things going on. I love you, but I can't actually do this. But so many times people do that with God. They promise things that God's going to do, but God never said he would do it. And so they keep making promises that God never said. Then they get disappointed in God that God didn't do what somebody else said God would do. Man, you better know God. You better know right doctrine. You better know who God really is so you know what you can expect from him. So you can, number one, not get disappointed that the lies aren't fulfilled, number one. But number two, what's even better is that so you can expect who he really is which is better than what anybody promised you he is. What God actually wants to do in your life is far exceeding abundantly better than what you could even ask or imagine. Hasn't even entered into your heart how good the things God has for you. And so people invent things according to their carnal desires. Then they put them on God. God doesn't do them and people get disappointed. And at the whole time, they weren't looking for what God actually wanted to do, which would have been better all along. Chris Green says this, he said, Christians need not and should not reduce talk of the Trinity to metaphysical conjecture or pietistic flourish. The doctrine of the Trinity is not primarily philosophical. Watch this. It is personal. It is experiential. Chris Green is a theologian and and, uh, kind of my favorite living theologian. And, 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 And this is what's important. What doctrine does not personally affect your life is not really usable. We can fall down rabbit holes of theology that don't actually make Jesus alive to people. And we start arguing about stuff that doesn't even matter. In theological terms, they call it tertiary issues, issues that don't actually matter. When is Jesus going to come back? That's that's, that's a big one. When is Jesus coming back? It don't matter when he comes back. I'm going to be ready. Amen? Amen? That's the point. Are you ready? Are you ready for him to return? When he comes back, he can do whatever he wants because I've been following him all along. 
And when he shows up, I'm going to keep following him. I'm not worried about when he's coming back. But Christians fall down this rabbit hole of, of, of when is he coming back. And there are a thousand issues like this that Christians fall down the rabbit hole of wanting to be right. And what happens is these, these things become idols in their lives. They become more important than Jesus himself. And we want to make sure that we're focused on the living God, not on what man comes up with. Amen? Come on. Come on. I want to thank all of you who came out Friday night. Uh, Tracy and I, uh, for the ordination of uh, Bishop Mark Sharona came out. And that was something, right? For those of you who were able to make it, that was, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm going to listen to that message at least twice um, because I caught about a third of it, I think. Uh, he was prophesying in his message without saying he was prophesying, did a little Greek uh, lesson there in the midst of it. Uh, my daughter was distracted by his clothes, but it is what it is. But I want to appreciate you. <laughs> Here's what's kind of funny. Uh, Bishop, uh, his assistant, called me. Um, in, 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 uh, we can talk about this more later, but uh, the order I have joined and the, um, uh, the, 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 the ordination I've received, they all wear clerical collars on um, kind of important um, ecclesiastical moments. So he was wearing a collar, and uh, uh, his assistant um, asked me, do I want him to dress in full uh, classical ecclesial robe, a garmenture, or just a collar? And that was him dressing down. And, and so, yeah, that was him dressed that. So he's just, he's a, he's, yeah, that was, that was casual for him. And, um, and so I'm like, well, you know. And so, and so when he preached, uh, he had a 14-point message he was going to bring, but if you notice, he didn't preach off any notes. He just decided when he got in the pulpit, he was just going to talk as he felt the Spirit lead to the house. And so this is what it looks like when you're filled with the Word, you're filled with the Spirit, and you're ready in season and out of season. Amen? Amen. This, this, is, this is, you know, and we don't worship any man, but it's good that we have fathers that we can look up to to say, okay, there is somewhere I'm trying to go. Are, 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 you, are you with me? And so, you know, God has been leading this house, and uh, God has been leading us as a people. He's been leading us as a congregation, and, um, and, 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 and Holy Spirit has been with us all along. And it's hard sometimes in the struggle to know that, you know, and, and, and what we do is when we, when we get times of uncertainty, we fall into the trap of being focused on the past and what we might have done wrong as if we can fix that, right? We get so focused on the past and uh, how we could have changed things and how we could have messed things up or, 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 or with the other thing that we see people do is they look to the past and they see how they were the hero of their story all along. Like, I got here because I'm, I'm amazing and I have done things so well. And, and so we either fall into condemnation or we fall into pride. And either way, we keep ourselves from hearing what God wants us to do today. This, 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 is, this, is, this is, God has something better for us. And, and, and there's a measure of faith the Lord is leading this church into. There's, there's a measure of faith he's leading this leadership team into. There's a, a measure of faith in what he's doing here behind the scenes. And Bishop Mark talked about living from the future instead of living from the past. I found that rich. How about you? Living from what you're called to as opposed to what may have happened before. And, and, and we have to spend time to find out what Jesus is telling us about our future. 
We need to figure out what, what future the Lord has in store for us. Uh, in Revival Kids, uh, their, their, their verse they're studying this month is Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, which many of you know, for I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. My wife is excited because it's on the front of her journal there. Uh, it's, it's, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Well, that's great that you know the thoughts that you have, but I need to know the thoughts that he has for me, right? I need to know what thoughts God has for us. And here, here's what I have found in the church today. Follow me very quickly, if you would, please. I found that there's, there's basically three streams that are happening uh, in, in, in the church today. And um, there, there's therapy. Uh, my wife is a therapist. And what my wife said, she is a, a licensed mental health uh, counselor, uh, certified with the state, has a supervisor, went and got her master's and specialist degrees. Um, just three, three credits short of what I have gotten, though. Um, very close. She came so close. Um, um, so, so therapists, here's what therapists do. Therapists help you figure out the past and why it's affecting your present, right? So what you, maybe you received trauma in the past. Maybe your past didn't go as well as you would hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe things aren't great right now and you want to go, you want to figure out why and how to make things better. So you go into the past and you figure out what lies you're believing or what things undermine a healthy growth pattern so that you can stop dragging your injured past into your present, right? And if you haven't been to a therapist or you haven't had pastoral counseling in your life, you've never had anybody disciple you, determine that in the next 45 days, you are going to connect with someone who can speak into your life. Amen? And then you are going to speak with them at least monthly to get a checkup. It may not be a professional. It may be someone who's a spiritual mother or father. It may be a pastor, maybe, but somebody older than you who you say speak into my life, and you make sure you get that connection maintained. Don't wait for them to call you, right? You make sure that you schedule those appointments, and you have someone speaking into your life. It keeps you safe. Amen. Right? So this is, this is kind of this, this, this therapy, pastoral, let's get, or, excuse me, it's this therapeutic, bring you into a healthy present, right? The, the, other, the, other, the other thing that we see are life coaches. Life coaches are really popular today. If you're online, you see everybody, I, I hope there's, I don't know if there's any life coaches in the room, but I've seen a lot of people who are certified life coaches, and I'm like, I've seen your life. You know, that's, I don't want nothing to do with that mess, right? That is a hot mess. I don't, I don't want it. And so what life coaches do is life coaches say, okay, you have a goal. You have a dream. I'm going to help you come into your dream or come into your goal, come into the future that you made up for yourself. This is what I'm going to do. And what so much of the church today has done is it has adopted the life coach model. Do you want a better marriage? Come to our church and we'll help you get what you want. Do you want to become financially stable? Come to the church and we'll help you know, teach you finances. Do you want to have the American dream? Come to this church and we'll teach you how to get what you want. So we have this deal with the past so you can get the present you want. Then we have the dream up a future and we'll help you get the, the future you want. Then we have what the Bible actually calls pastoral care. 
And that is when the prophetic word of God comes along and gets your vision back on Jesus, the one true God who is the author and perfecter of your faith, the one who dreamed you up before you were ever created, who says, I know the plans that I have for you. Yeah, you got some plans, beautiful, wonderful, woohoo, draw a picture, put it on a piece of paper, make it your vision, whatever, but I still got my vision for you, and it's better than your vision, and my goal is to help direct your vision back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That is the goal of the church. That is the, that is the mission that is on those who have been consecrated for the work of ministry. Yes, we want to see you get healed and whole. Yes, we want to see you come into whatever. But our main focus is that the priority of your life would be Jesus. It would be the living God who was born from a virgin, walked sinless, was crucified on that cross, was dead and buried, but did not stay in the grave, but He was resurrected on the third day and ascended to the right hand of the Father and is once again coming to judge the living and the dead. Can you say amen? This is what the church is about. Now, there may be some business leaders in here who can help you be a businessman with a Christian perspective. There's some therapists in here who can help you get healed of your past with a Christian perspective or get over some stuff. But the goal of the church is not for you to be just as happy about yourself as you can be. The goal of the church is to get you connected to the living God. So you can fulfill the purpose of God in your life. That is the gospel. That is the mission of the church. That's what this book is all about. This book is about the one true God. The the Jews call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. There is a God and we belong to Him. And He is one God. And we're going to have no other gods before Him. This is what the church is about. Can you say amen? And we are not going to change that message. We're not going to adapt that message. We're not going to kind of massage that message to make people think that they can have everything they ever wanted and a little bit of God as their side piece. That is never going to work. It does not work. It does not please God. It does not fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, it's not what you were created for. You will never fulfill your purpose fulfilling all your desires. It does not work. That's a good word right there. I just feel like that was a good word. That was a free one. That wasn't even in the message. That's just a little free little bonus for you here today on Trinity Sunday. Say amen. But we want, to, we want to spend time. We want to spend time with God. Finding out, what does He say about my future? Why am I here? What is the mission of God? What, what, why, why do I think the way I think? What have you created me for? So many of you, you, you are under condemnation on how your brain works. Because it doesn't work with other people. Because you don't know that you were created with a special purpose. You're the God of your redemption. The God who died on the cross for you is also the God who created you. And those are not two separate gods with two separate plans. He created you with a special purpose. Your brain works the way it works on purpose. And the God who wants to redeem you wants to show you why you look at things the way you look at them. Doesn't want to make you somebody else. Wants you to be the you you were created to be separated from the lie of sin. The enemy comes and wants to pervert your your creation and why you were made this way. And 
your heavenly father says, no, 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 I created you for a reason. The devil lies to you. So, so man, I just this this I feel the spirit on this. So many of you deal with anxiety. You deal with um, depression. You, you deal with uh, these uh, compulsive behaviors because you don't trust that God made you the way you are on purpose. He made you the way you are on purpose. Some of you are focused on some things in your life that God really wants you to care about. But he wants to care about them with you. He wants you to recognize he, he created you to do something, but he created you to do something with him. And you've been doing it as you, and therefore you don't have the grace to do it. And so all you have is anxiety. That's a good word right there. Listen. We, 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 we experience these calamities and we, we experience calamities in life and calamities in our soul. In the core of our anxieties, hear me, I'm not, I'm not, if you have anxiety, I am not beating up on you. Been there, done that, don't want the t-shirt, amen? Like, but, but, but our anxieties, the majority of our, now I understand there are psychological uh, problems. I understand that there are biological problems. I understand there are spiritual problems that can be at the root of anxiety. But most anxieties trace back to the fact that we do not actually trust that God is in control. God is in control of how people see you. God is in control over whether or not you're a success. God is in control of your life. Doesn't concern the sparrow yet perfectly fed. The, the fields are not worried, yet they're beautiful and green. God knows the hairs on your head, and we are anxious about things that are stupid, and God said He's in control of. And we need to spend, God, spend time with God asking things like, okay, what am I in charge of, and what are you in charge of, God? And then when He says He's in charge of something, let Him be in charge. You ever have a job, and the boss won't let you do your job? And it's constantly micromanaging. You know how annoying that is? Right? You know how annoying that is? Could you imagine if your employee is trying to micromanage your job? That's us and God so often. God's like, no, no, I, I told you I got this. And you're like, but God, what about, what about? And he's like, no, I'm really God. I really got this. And if we would learn to surrender to the living God, that he is, in fact, capable. Wow. Hallelujah. Let's just say hallelujah to that. Amen. Jesus is God on the throne. But he's left his spirit with us. Now, as we get into, we're about to, if you had your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 16. But in this, in this passage of scripture we're going to study today, it's part of what's called the farewell discourse, uh, which is basically means talking, discourse, in his farewell. He's leaving. Jesus is saying goodbye, and he gives a long speech in his goodbye. And in his farewell discourse, he says a lot of stuff. And for a long time, Jesus had been telling his disciples that he was going to die. Now, Jesus said lots of stuff that they did not understand, so they didn't take this literally. Because why would you say you're going to die? Now, it's not unreasonable that he would think he's going to die because they lived in a city that was being murdered, right? It's, it's not unreasonable. Oh, let me say it this way. Uh, my son looks like a lot of people who have been shot in the back by police. That is a fact. If that's offensive, good. It should be offensive, right? But my son, when he turned driving age, we had to talk to him about what you do when you get pulled over. 
Because it's not unreasonable in this day and age in America that he could have some problems based on the color of his skin. You could say, I don't know if that's true, Pastor. Read books. Read news. That's fact. And any parent of color has this conversation with their son. Amen. If you're a parent of color, you've had this conversation with your son. And so I've had to have this conversation with my son. Listen, this is, how, this is what you do when the police pull you over. This is how you need to act. I know it's your habit to over-explain things. Don't. Just shut up. Keep your hands where, you could, where they could see them and move slow, right? Because not, that's not an unreasonable thing for me to teach my child. Does this make sense? If you live on a busy street, it is not unreasonable to teach your child, do not run into traffic, right? Amen? Do not talk to strangers. Amen? Like, this is, this is reasonable, right? And so it was reasonable then for them not for them to understand that people are being murdered. And so Jesus talked about being murdered, and it's not unreasonable for them to think any of us can be murdered because the Romans murdered Jews. It's what was happening in that day and age. The roads were lined with people being crucified. Lots of people, not just Jews. But Jesus kept talking about this, and they were like, well, yeah, you know, we all could be murdered, you know, Tomorrow's not guaranteed, this, that, and the other. But finally, at this point in the story, they understood literally Jesus was saying, no, no, I'm actually going to be murdered soon. I am going to die. And the Bible teaches us at this point of his discourse, they knew he was going to die, and they were grieved about it because they loved him. They loved Jesus. They had walked with him. They expected him to be the Messiah, and they were upset. And they were sad and they were grieved, which is what you would hope your friends would feel if they find out you're going to die, right? So here we are. They didn't understand yet that this was the God of the resurrection. John chapter 16, verse 12. Let's go there if you would. Jesus says this. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that, are, all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I say that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now we're going to unpack that for the next 15 minutes or so, and hopefully this could be a life-changing message. We are in the season of the Spirit. Can you say amen? We are not only in the liturgical calendar in the season of the Spirit, us as a house are in the season of the Spirit. We are in a season where the Spirit is guiding, but you do not actually know where you are going. The devil hates it. The devil hates it when people start to operate in a faith that is contrary to what they See, there is a fight that happens in the spirit realm, in your heart, in your life, when you begin to operate in a way that says, I believe God over what I see. I believe the word of God. I have, hear, I have heard the Lord and I am declaring to you what I know to be true. The enemy fights against that. And we know that the Lord is with us. The Lord is guiding us and the Lord is cleansing his house and the Lord is preparing his bride for something beautiful. And I am here for it. Can you say amen? amen? You know, he says here in verse 12, Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot hold them now. You cannot carry the weight 
of them now. That's so many of us. That's so many of us. Jesus is leaving and he's been talking to them and he's like, look, I got more stuff to say, but you, you, you're not ready for all this. See, <clears throat> we have this funny thing that happens, especially us Americans. We have a funny thing that happens. American Christianity is a, is a, is a, is a really interesting beast because most people are um, Americans first and Christians second. They're allegiance, they pledge allegiance to a flag all the time. They pledge allegiance to Jesus every now and then, right? Uh, instead of being Christians who happen to live in America, right? And so as Americans, we value, above most other things, we value freedom, right? America is freedom, right? Like that's freedom, my, my, my freedom. I want, I want freedom. Nobody can control me. Nobody's going to boss me around. I want to be able to do what I want to do. I want to achieve what I want to achieve. No one, no one, no one is going to control me. And then we say to God, why aren't you telling me what to do? Why aren't you making it clear? Why aren't you giving me orders? Why did you let me do something I wanted to do that was wrong? Why didn't you stop me from being totally free like I've wanted to be my entire life? Why did, why did you fulfill the very thing I've been striving for all along? You, you, you see, we have this problem. We don't want anyone controlling us, and then we get it mad at God because he didn't control us. Yeah. Do you see this? Talk back to me here. I'll just keep asking the same question over and over again. We say to God, like, you know, hey, why did, why did you let this happen? He's like, you wanted freedom. You got it. I'm like, well, that's not what I meant by freedom. He's like, oh, I don't just give partial freedom. Like, I don't, I don't just come in, in compartments. Like, you get all of me or I let you do what you want to do. You see, Jesus is like, I have more stuff to tell you, but you're not ready to carry it. You see, we need on some point, on some levels, you know you're called to something bigger, but we need to grow up to get our breakthrough. We need to grow up and recognize that Jesus Christ actually has a plan, and we need to submit to it even when we don't like it. We need to submit to it even when we don't understand it. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying and do things that may seem counterproductive to what we think we need to do so we can come into what God has for us. Amen. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, he says, Paul said to, to the church, because they were still stuck at this phase, he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not able Jesus is like, the whole church is like a toddler room. We got, you know, we, got, we, have, we, have, we have a couple rooms back here in Revival Kids. We got where the big kids are who can follow directions, and then we lock up the little ones, right? Like, the, they, they, they got to stay on lockdown. They're like, I want to go out there with the big kids and play with the big TV and get snack time with them, right? Like, and they're like, no, we got to keep you on lockdown because you're not ready for that yet. Why? Because we're still wiping your butt, right? Like, if we're wiping your butt, you're staying in the room here. When we don't have to wipe your butt anymore, you can wipe your own butt, then you can go into the big room, right? Anybody, you, you hear what I'm saying? And Christians want to, like, there's so many Christians out there acting like they're in the big room, but they still can't wipe their own butt. Like, like, like at some point, you got to grow up and be able to be like, I got to start taking care of my own business. I got to be able to hear God and obey when I do not agree because I am a mature Christian. I know where God has planted me, and that's where I'm going to be hearing the word of the Lord and obeying God. 
This is called maturity in Christ. And so many people think maturity is your ability to operate in a spiritual gift when all that is God. What God is looking for is that you can show some character and stand strong when you do not agree. This is what maturity looks like. God, I hear you saying this, and it will make no kind of sense to me, but I will lay down my rights so that you can be worshipped. Amen. This is what it looks like to grow mature in Jesus. We need to grow up so we can get our breakthrough. Listen, like there's people in this room and you have been through some battles in the last couple of years. Amen. Anybody got an amen on that one? You've been through some fights. You've been through some struggles. You've been through some turmoil. And you've been like, God, what has happened? Where have you been? Like, did you take 2020 and 2021 off? Like, what happened? Have you been on vacation? Like my wife and I were on vacation and we were not working. Didn't look at the phone. Didn't look at nothing. I was on vacation. We're like, you got any problems? Call Mike Rentler. I don't, I'm not because I ain't going to be able to help, right? But when God's on vacation, there's no one to call, right? And you're like, where have you been, God? I do not understand what's happening. But at the same time, if you stayed faithful to God, you have recognized what that season of turmoil has brought you into, what it has prepared you for, how it has matured you, how it has gotten you to a place that you know God on a deeper level. You see, we, we don't grow on the mountaintop. We grow in the valley. We don't grow when everything's are all flowers and songs and hummingbirds. We grow when we're down there in the pit trying to figure out what is God saying on my next step. I don't know where to put my right foot, God. I'm trusting that you're telling me where to put it, God. Oh, man, that one was right. Oh, praise God. Now, Lord, I got to take a left step. I don't know where it's supposed to be because everywhere I go to put my foot looks like a landmine, but I just going to have to believe that you're guiding me on this next step. Oh, I made it another day. Now Tuesday's here and I wanted to die on Monday, but now I'm on Tuesday. And God, I'm going to have to take another step today. I don't know where to put it, God. The last one was, I'm just going to go for, oh, I made it another step. Oh my God. See, when you were dancing along, skip to Maloo, you see that, that wasn't growing your faith, right? Like that was just you thinking everything's great. It's, but when things get hard and you got to be writing, reading your Bible every day just to make it through the day and you got to be crying out to God all the time, that's when the Lord meets you in areas that you didn't know you needed to grow in yet. Some of you, man, I feel by the Holy Ghost. Some of you got family members away from God and God is like, listen, if you will submit your life to my supposition, positions and my, 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 my ways and my precepts, if you will begin to build the altar in your life again, I will be able to move in your family. I feel like God is saying there are places that God has promised me and things that God has promised me. And God's like, if you will rebuild the altar of faith and listen, see, you don't done so good. You don't, you forgot you need me. And I just feel like God is saying, if you will rebuild the altar and you will put the sacrifice upon the altar, I will meet you there in the early morning, in the midnight hour. You see, God is still on the throne and he's waiting for us to meet him for our next step. You say, amen. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my spirit. What you've been through has prepared you to fight the battles ahead. See, Jesus has things we need to know, but we're only going to get them by spending time in the presence of God, the Spirit. 
you're only going to get the Jesus said, I got things to tell you, but you're, you're not ready for them yet. You're not ready for them yet. You've got to spend time in the presence of God, the Spirit. You need to get saturated in His presence. See, there's people going to begin coming to this church. And they're going to need some of you to tell them, hey, hey, you know, I, I, we're going to need you to be nice to them, number one. <laughs> yeah, it will be helpful. But beyond nice, we're going to have to teach them. You're going to have to teach them, man, uh, this is how you read your Bible. How often? Every day. You want to wake up in the morning and read your Bible. Get some word on the inside of you. Get a commentary. Get a, get a, get a something to figure out what it is you're reading and what it means. Like, don't, don't, don't let TikTok teach you what this Bible means. Like, find actual people who know, like Bible studies. And you're going to teach them how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Like, you're going to have to teach them. I'm, like this, I'm, I'm, we're having a leaders meeting right now. You are going to have to teach them how to pray the Lord's Prayer with understanding. You're going to have to teach them what it means to serve the Lord. What does it mean to use your life to serve God and to serve your church? You're going to have to teach them, like, we come to church. We're Christians. We sit under the preached word. We gather with the saints. We show up Sunday morning with something to give. Amen. We, 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 don't, we, don't, you know, we come with our offering, our, our financial offering. You should come with a spiritual offering that somebody else needs. Somebody near you, as, as, as at the end of the Apostles' Creed, is, might need healing. You better come ready to lay hands on someone for healing. With that word of encouragement, with that, with that spiritual psalm, with a holy kiss, with a hug. Like, that's not a dating technique, by the way. Let's just keep that. Let's just, that is not, right? But you should come with your offering, and you should come with a, you should become with a check and a deposit slip. You should come expecting to receive something every Sunday. Because the Lord calls us not to forsake the fellowship, the fellowship of the saints. So we come together to sit under the preached word of God, to be instructed, hear what Holy Spirit is telling the house. Like we come, yeah, I'll come every six weeks. Like, oh, that's, 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 that's good if you're not a Christian. Like, I'm glad you're coming to church. That's good. Not God's best. And it certainly isn't a spirit-led life. We want to live spirit-led lives where we're constantly being fed the word of God, increasing in our understanding, growing in the faith. Amen. That's a good word right there. We need to be sharing our God story with the people around us. You need to, my praise will forever be, your praise will ever be on my lips. Open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. This is what the Word of God says. And so you, you don't have to be the evangelism machine. You, 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 don't, you don't have to be forcing people in decisions all the time. As Bishop Sharona said, salvation generally is a process. But God should be a part of your talk. It should be part of your life. It should be part of your conversation. It should be part of what, what, you, what you discuss in your life. He, he should be. I, was, I went to, I went to um, um, Burdine. Burdine, that's so funny. I went to Macy's. Y'all don't even know what Burdine's is. It was, it, was, it was Macy's before Macy's was Macy's. I went to Macy's and I was shopping. And, uh, and uh, I was uh, looking for some clothes. And there was a dude in there just very, very excited. And I was like, ah, I have that guy. You know they work on commission. And uh, he's like, hey, yeah, how you doing? I'm blessed. He's like, I'm blessed. I'm like, I'm blessed too. What do you know? I'm blessed. We're blessed, right? And so I'm like looking for a jacket, and he's like, well, I don't know where this is, but let me check it out. And he's talking and talking and talking, and, uh, you know, he happened to see a, a tattoo on my body, like, which I have. He talked about Jesus is alive. He's like, Jesus is alive. Love your tattoo. I said, I love my Jesus, right, because Jesus is alive, right? I, I like, he's like, oh, man. 
God has done so much good for me. I said, he can't do nothing but good. That's who he is. So now here we are in Macy's, me and the man behind the counter, and there's a woman standing next to him who was originally a little bit annoyed because he done talked a little bit about his testimony. But now we're there, there's a line behind us, and we're preaching the gospel to each other, right? He's like, man, God has done good things. I said, God can't do nothing but good things. That's all he can do. I'm just telling everybody around. He's just a good God. He's living. He's alive, and he wants to live with us today. He goes, you know what? I said, what? He said, about a year ago, I, I had hit rock bottom, and I, I was on drugs, and, and I, was, I was partying all the time. My life was falling apart. I said, nah, what happened, right? And people are like, I just want to check. I was like, what happened after that, brother? He said, brother, would you believe this? I said, come on. I bet you I believe it. Come on, tell me. He said, I met Jesus, and Jesus came into my life, and he began to turn me around, and I got free of all this stuff, and I got plugged into a local church, and oh, man, I, it's like, I just can't. I just, I just, I just, it's just been so good. He said, you know, are you shopping for something special happening? I said, as a matter of fact, I am. My bishop's coming to town. He's going to lay hands on me. The anointing of God is coming, and I tell you what, Jesus Christ is alive, and he moves. I'm just like this now, and Jesus is alive, and he touches people's lives, like, because his praise shall forever be on my lips. Can you say amen? Like, I, I, don't, I don't need to like, oh, the brother, you know, like, I, I'm, the, I'm just, talk, just make him. If he's not part of your talk, make sure he's part of your life, right? If he's part of your life, he'll be part of every part of your life. Does he have to be the center of every conversation? No, because you got a job to do. you got kids to raise, right? It gets a little weird, right? right? But, but, but God should be part of your conversation. Mix it in there. This is what it, this is what it looks like as we grow up. In Christ, look, you, you may not know where your life is going. I need you to hear me. But God is actually guiding you. The Spirit is guiding you in ways you do not even know. And I have found, man, this is, I mean, and you can make the unveiling of the plan take as long as you want. God is, man, He is, He is, He's gracious this way. Like, I, I have heard so many testimonies of people so many testimonies of people who like just fell into sin. If you're online, I'm sorry. I wish you were here. I'm not on the video. You can hear me though. Um, so many testimonies of people who are like, you, you've all heard this. They're like, man, I used to be on fire for God, and then I wasn't sure, and I fell away. And then I came back, however many years later, and I found out, like I realized he was with me all along. How many, I've heard that testimony so many times. I'm like, yes, amen. Now, if only you had recognized that, you, that season wouldn't have taken so long. You can't run from God. I love it when people say, I'm running from God. I'm like, where are you going? The earth is round. Where are you, where are you going? David said, where can I go that you can't find me? Even if I go to hell, there you will be. Like, you cannot get away from God. Like, you can make this take as long as you want. I, I suggest just submit to him now because he's going to win. That's a good word right there. Amen. 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 This is, this is what he says in Romans. This is what Paul says in Romans. Look, about, about these trials. He says, not only this, but we get excited in our trials and tribulations, knowing these tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What, 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 go, some, some, some of y'all like are in a hard time and just memorize this scripture. I want, I want you to just like if you're in a hard season, hear me. Like I'm just trying to help. Memorize this scripture. And every time you get depressed about your hard season, quote it to yourself. Because at the end of this is hope. 
And He is the God of all hope. You just like, this, this is a trial, but <clears throat> I'm learning to wait on God. I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning that at the end of this season, God is going to be glorified in my life. Things will not be like this forever because it, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in my heart. Hear me, your trials have you in a process to increase your faith in God. That is the promise of God for you. That's the promise of God for you. But we have to cooperate. There's this cooperation that happened on the earth between Jesus and the Spirit. Now, 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 I said this last week, but the same Spirit that bound Jesus and the Father binds us in Jesus, meaning we are invited into the Trinity. This is a theologically rich sentence, but I'm going to say it again. The same Spirit that bound Jesus and the Father binds us in Jesus, meaning we are invited into the Trinity. Paul, Paul prays about this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, he, he prays that God would grant us according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. In other words, Paul's praying that God's power might be abundantly poured out so that it might transform the understanding of all of us through the inner activity of the Holy Spirit. What, Pastor? He prays that, that, that the Spirit of God that you and I have received, the Holy Ghost, that Jesus promised us, that it would be so abundant on the inside of us that it would transform our inner man, which would transform our entire lives. So, okay, <clears throat> there is this, there is this, St. Maximus was trying to explain the Trinity, and you, you can't actually explain the Trinity. So he had to make up a word. Uh, it's called perichoresis. Uh, perichoresis, and here's kind of a picture. Uh, you may have seen this before of the perichoresis. There's one God, and there's the three, the, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, kind of active in this perichoresis. It's, 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 it's this unexplainable mystery. People are like, there's this, it's like an egg where there's the shell, the, 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 the white, and the yolk. And, 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 and all these kind of illustrations people think are helpful, but they're not because God is not like anything. Amen. God is not like anyone. He's not like anything we can come up with. And it's important to understand, if you don't understand God, beautiful. Because he's, he's not understandable. He is knowable. You can know him. And so there's this perichoresis, and Jesus came on earth to demonstrate this. Are you following me? Is this helping at all? I hope it is. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus came on, on the earth to, um, to, to exemplify this. He, he exemplified it. If you remember, uh, in his baptism, where he came up out of the water and the Spirit landed upon him, and you might think, why would God need God to land upon him, right? Like, what, what was that? You know, in, in uh, Philippians 2, there's this, this, this uh, sentence where Paul says that he emptied himself, right? And there's a whole lot, Jesus emptied himself. And there's a whole lot of bad theology around that verse because it doesn't say what he emptied himself of. And so a lot of people are trying to put into the Bible what it doesn't actually say. But what is more important is not what Jesus emptied himself of, but what Jesus invited us into. Jesus demonstrated beautiful cooperation between Jesus and the Spirit. 
The Spirit was leading him. He was praying to the Father. They were operated in unity, but Jesus had to ask questions. Did you notice that in the Bible? As you read it, you notice he had to ask questions. He, he, he grew in learning. He, he, he didn't act like he knew everything. He was led by the Father. He was led by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit upon him, all the while being fully God. And Picasso drew a little picture of this perichoresis and what he believed, what it looked like for us to be invited into it. He, he called this the, uh, well, it doesn't matter what he called it, but, but this perichoresis you see here, uh, this was drawn in the 60s. So I'm about to say something that might be slightly racist, but give him a little grace because it was in the 60s. So as we look at this, there's, there's, there's 13 people dancing around thought to be the 12 apostles and you. In the midst is the Spirit, and, and, you know, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight, right? Jesus loves a little. It's called Dance of the Children is what Picasso named this, and there's this dance that the Trinity does. There's this dance, and actually uh, Bishop Mark talked about it on Friday, the perichoresis, this dance that the Spirit is constantly doing with one another. You don't know who's at work. Is it the Father, the Spirit, the Son? And what Jesus wants to do is invite you into that so you don't know, was that me that did that or was that Jesus that did that through me? Was that the Spirit telling me to do that or was that my thoughts? You see, we become so involved in the dance of the Trinity that we're not sure where we end and God begins because we've been invited into this relationship with God that we are empowered by the Spirit to do the works of God. This baptism of Jesus, the descending of the Spirit, Jesus, Jesus showed us how the Father and the Son and the Spirit live in communion. And this is what God has invited us into. This divine cooperation with God on earth. It's what we're invited into. Let me say this. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've been invited. You have an unbreakable connection with God. Let me get the, let me, let me, let me get, um, I was going to say David, that's so funny. Jonathan, why don't you come on up? I want you to hear this. If you've received Jesus, you have an unbreakable connection with God. Jesus showed us how to live in unity with the Holy Spirit and produce the miraculous. Now, this is what gets me excited. Come on up, Sessie, I'm sorry. This is what gets me excited. This is, this is, this is what we have in the, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is, this is the opportunity that God has given each of us. That God would live on the inside of us, and He would invite us into a relationship where we can be at unity with God. Stand with me if you would. One final scripture, John 16, 15. Jesus said this, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Everyone wants to be united with God. That is the hope of everyone on the earth. Everybody wants to be at union with the living God. Everybody wants to be connected with God. And we are given the opportunity by faith in Jesus Christ to receive His Spirit, the Spirit that created, the Spirit that hovered, the Spirit that does the miraculous, the Spirit. We are created to operate 
in union union and unison with God. In this season of the Spirit, we want to be discovering God's will and walk with Him. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make time each day to spend time with Jesus. To spend time just to shut down your world. Ask Jesus, what, what, what are you preparing me for? Also, how do I prepare for what's coming? He may answer one of those. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Focus on the, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In your prayer time, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, and you get there, allow Holy Spirit to guide you on what His kingdom in your life would look like. What His kingdom in our country would look like. What it would look like if His will is what ran your life. Your will be done. Lord, not my will, Your will be done. I know I've asked you for this, but your will be done. I trust you. I know I've asked you for that, but your will be done. I trust you. And as you live this Spirit-led life, God will connect you with people who need to hear what God is speaking to you. That's the prophetic promise. Come on, Ceci. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Come on, just sing it out. Just declare it. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know chances are in the sound of my voice there's some, someone or some people who need to get right with God and just need to surrender and receive Him into their life. And so, Father, at this moment, I would give them this opportunity and I would ask you, wow, to pour out your grace upon their hearts that they will make a decision today. I am going to follow the living God, receive the Spirit of Christ in my life, and be guided by His Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit if you would. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. We pray right now in the name of Jesus. I don't want to invite anybody to the front. I don't want to pray for anybody. I don't want to to single anybody out. But I want to invite you to begin your journey with Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've 
decided a long time ago you're going to follow God and you've been away from Him. And God is saying today, He brought you here today, it's time to come back. Time to come back into fellowship with the saints. Time to come back into fellowship with the Trinity. I say today is your day. Maybe, maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the first you're hearing of this, that you have to make a decision that you're going to follow God. I say today is the day. Make that decision to follow God. Maybe you made a decision to follow Him a long time ago and you promised Him you would do something. You put your hand to the plow and you have stopped. You have backed off. I'm calling you today to fulfill your vow with God that you would do what you said you would do. That's anybody in this room, just between you and God, just lift your heart to God right now and you just tell God, that's me. Lord, that's me and today I am surrendering to you. I'm going to be a follower of you fresh. We're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to say words and you repeat after me. I'd like it if everybody in the room would pray this so that nobody feels singled out. Amen? Amen? Just say, Father God, today I declare that I'm yours and you are mine. I declare that you are my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for coming back from the dead and being seated at the right hand of the Father praying for me. I receive those prayers today. Thank you for receiving me today. Wash me clean. Cleanse me. And make me new. Fill me with your spirit. And give me power to be a witness. So I can live a pleasing life. And I can tell the world about you. Thank you that heaven is my promise. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Give a clap out for the Lord if you would. Thank you for joining us today. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm going to pray with you. If you're on Insta, on the, on the church Instagram page on Wednesday at noon, I will join you there for intercession. We love you. Say hello to somebody. Ask if somebody's going to lunch. Be the church. And uh, just, we'll see you on Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. Sweet.